Gua sobro. Ay. <laughs> There's not a rule that you have to use the two subs. He's, he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Third Sub Podcast, episode 110 of the Third Sub Podcast, presented by Macy Sports. And we're here, I'm your co-host, Alexander Gungiruzic, joined as always by Samuel Rowan, and we're back once again. It's been a slow bit of, you know, I guess depending on when the last time you've heard from us, if you're on the socials, you know, you, you might have seen us pumping out videos. You, you know, we're going to, or at least... One or two of us are going to most of the games where we're seeing a lot what's going on. Over the last month or two, it's been wild. The Whitecaps, you know, they've gone from a very bad team to an actually competent, you know, footballing enterprise for the most part, when at least when they're not playing Canadian Premier League teams, that is. But uh, obviously, the last time we probably spoke, Mark DeSantos got fired. A wild sequence of events. Since then, the Whitecaps have continued to, to, to roll on. But uh, before we go into that, I mean... You know, lots going on personally here for, for, for the third sub podcast. Sam, throwing it over to you. How's it going? And uh, obviously, you're, you're joining us from a new location. I know you wanted to, to, to talk about that quickly before we dive into the, the show today. Yeah, welcome back, everyone, to the third sub. Uh, and yeah, maybe you're wondering, you know, where was our video from the Portland match on, on the pitch? It's a fair question. It's a good one. I don't. It's tough to address this kind of thing because I don't want to be one of those corny YouTubers giving you a life update. But uh, yeah, I'm not in Vancouver anymore. I am in England. I'm in the UK. I mean, if you follow me on like my, my personal Instagram, you might have seen. But uh, going all the way back to episode one of the Third Sub podcast, for anyone who's listened that long, I talked about, you know, in, in a past life, in a former life. I studied philosophy, and uh, now that part of my life is is coming back into the picture. I'm going to be doing a research master's degree in the UK. What does this mean for Vancouver Whitecaps coverage? Well, it's definitely not going to stop. Uh, the third sub is, is not going anywhere, but obviously with the time change not being there physically, it's going to be a little bit different. But, you know, Alex and I have had other commitments, other things going on over the course of the third sub, and we've always found creative ways to get around it. So I'm excited to continue doing this. I'm excited to maybe bring something new to the fold, hoping that I can you know, provide some coverage of Canadians playing over here, both on the men's and women's side. You know, The access in that respect will obviously be a lot better, but you know, access to white caps training for me is going to be somewhat limited. So we're just going to have to, you know, play it by ear here and figure it out. But, uh, you know, thanks third sub listeners for, for sticking with us through everything that's gone on over the last couple of years. And, uh, I hope you understand, you know, that sometimes other things in life, uh, get in the way and you, you have to find a way to juggle it all as, as a big plane goes by in the background there. That's uh, that's interesting, but yeah. So little, little life update from me, but you know, still looking forward to getting stuck into some white caps coverage. And uh, it was a good time for me personally, at least for it to be a little bit quieter on the, on the caps front. Yeah. I mean, uh, even myself personally, I'm always yo-yoing back between Vancouver and Toronto anyway. So it's nothing new for the, the third sub to, I mean, it kind of started to, it came to existence in a, in a virtual world. So nothing changes there. If anything, obviously the big change, less in person, you know, on the pitch videos, et cetera, like that. Yeah, and and the live shows for the 7 PM Pacific starts could be a bit of a challenge for me. Uh, We're just going to, we're going to have to see what we can do with those, with those live formats, but we'll, you know, we'll keep you updated on the socials. We'll figure it out. Fear not. Yeah, so we won't we won't say goodbye to the live shows, but we'll certainly not we won't be doing it, you know, like at the beginning of the season where we did like 15 in a span of like four weeks that one time. So if anything, the big change I'll come to expect is that with you going back into philosophy and obviously I'm, you know, back in school for the fall, we'll just start talking in way more existential terms about the white caps. And we'll make exactly sure a nice some more, uh, you know, very intellectual discussions about the team. You're going to be, you know, question, really questioning the perspective of the, the franchise, but on a more serious note, let's talk about the white caps. 
because I mean, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they're not as a, you know, there's not as much existential dread say about this, this white caps team. They're not a team in the wilderness anymore as of writing or as of writing. I'm just used to saying that. Sorry. As of us talking, sitting here and talking, the white caps are four points out of a playoff spot. That's, you know, due to the fact that the Wednesday slate of games just really wasn't favorable to them. LAFC, uh, Portland, uh, RSL, all picking up wins or points, you know, big points for, for, for them. But with that white cap still four points behind, they do have a game in hand on pretty much every team around them. They've got a good chunk of home games. They play a lot of teams below or around them in the standings. The white caps are in a position to make the playoffs. And uh, I mean, Sam, first of all, we just threw that question out there. Obviously we'll dive into more there of their recent match. How does it feel to, to say after this summer, everything we've, we've seen the white caps, five-game losing streak, that run of draws, Ryan Gold coming in, losing the Pacific FC, firing Mark DeSantos. How does it feel at September 16th that we're sitting here and talking about a Whitecaps playoff push? I mean, big picture, I guess, when the season started, it's it's all you could have asked for, right? It's probably not how you would have drawn it up. It's probably not in the way Whitecaps fans expected, but they, they are in the hunt. And I think the key thing for me and something we chatted about just a little bit before the show was you look at some of those teams in the playoff places. Yes, they just lost to Portland, but realistically, Portland in fifth, RSL in sixth, LAFC in seventh, those aren't phenomenal teams. Those aren't teams that you know are, are leaps and bounds ahead of the Vancouver Whitecaps. It doesn't feel like. They all have flaws. They all have you know things about their play that aren't necessarily favorable. And, you know, the Caps got that game in hand so they they could easily be a single point or two points out of a playoff spot. They could easily, you know, be right on that playoff line if they can secure all three points this weekend. And I think even bigger picture beyond that, you know, the Colorado match might be tough because we'll, we'll talk about this later. Colorado has been quietly very good uh, this year and not a lot of people may be talking about it the way they should. But after that, FC Dallas on the 26th, Houston on the 30th, San Jose on October 3rd. To me, those are the matches the Whitecaps have to maximize. And I feel like if they could go on a on a three-game win streak there or even, you know, pick up seven out of nine points, that would go a massive way to vaulting them into that playoff race. Because after that, you do have Seattle and SKC back-to-back, and and that's going to be a struggle. That's going to be challenging. That Seattle match, they also have to deal with Max Cropo and Lucas Cavallini likely being away for international duty. So, so big picture, this Colorado one is kind of a primer for what I think will be a very important stretch and maybe the pivotal stretch in terms of whether or not the Whitecaps can get into the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think even then at the at the very fundamental level, uh, something that I've kind of slowly been researching as of late, just due to the fact that there's so many six-point games uh, between teams in the same conference. Due we to the we haven't that... really talked about that enough, have we? That like We just kind of glossed over the fact that all of a sudden this year, every match is, is, a, is potentially a, a massive game. swing, right? And then the problem is with all those six-point games, a lot of them turned into two-point games because of all yeah. the draws. Because like there's been an obscene amount of draws this year. I was doing some research last night. As it stands, the bar to make the playoffs is something like 0.10 points per game lower than, than an average season. There were some seasons where you needed to be 1.5 points per game to finish top seven. And right now, the bar is like 1.32 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for in terms of, of the white caps, I think you look at their end of their schedule – you obviously want to win all the six pointers. So right now looking at teams around them, Dallas is right behind them. You do not want to lose that game at home. Um, you know, f- well, I guess, first of all, you want to win all your home games, right? That's Dallas, San Jose, Kansas, uh, and Minnesota, Seattle, obviously Seattle and Kansas are the two tough ones. They're way above you in the standings, two very good teams, but all the other teams, Dallas, San Jose, Minnesota, those are three teams within three to five points of you right now. And they'll probably stay the same. Then you'd look at the away games, LAFC away, San Jose away, Portland away. You know, those three games are just massive. Yes, you got Seattle, Colorado away, two teams that, you know what, you can maybe get draws in those games. If you draw Colorado and Seattle, you're not at the end of the world. But those San Jose, LAFC and Portland away games are just absolutely massive. So for the Whitecaps, looking at their next 11 games, there's pretty much, uh, you know, they're, 
I'm seeing what maybe, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like seven, like must win six pointers. There's the three against the, the, or I guess four against top teams or teams like Houston, where I, and you know, you don't want to lose to a team like Houston, but it's almost better to lose to a team like Houston. Cause they're not like leapfrogging you over into a playoff space. Yes. It's, or even I'd say draw to Houston isn't as bad just because, uh, you're not giving up points to them in the playoff, right? So if you're going to have an off night, you'd rather have your off night against Houston. But it's just looking at those 11 games. You know what? Credit to MLS because they had no intention on doing this because this is a COVID year thing. They, usually there's going to be more intra-conference play. I in like terms it, of though. It, drama, it's been fun. It's, it's, it's spicy, and there's a lot of big, big games ahead for the Whitecaps. Well, yeah, we can look at the big, big games ahead, but let's let's pivot back a little bit to Vancouver versus Portland this past weekend. And, you know, I, I was in the midst of, of jet lag, and it was not one I was able to view live, but you were obviously in the building. Looking back on that match, I mean, not the not the most, you know, exciting of affairs. It was a it was a bit of a low low tempo one and one where the Whitecaps maybe didn't get all they could out of it. But uh, you know, some tactical notes obviously and, and maybe your just general thoughts from that one. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think for the Whitecaps, I think it was bound to happen. If we're gonna be realistic, they were running a 10 game unbeaten run. It was like four wins in a row in MLS player for you know five Something like that. They, they were on a, it was four wins in a row in MLS play. They'd got picked up points in 12 of their last 13 games. They were due a, a loss or even a draw. It's just, it's really unfortunate that say they couldn't have beat Portland and, you know, you get blown out by Colorado. That happens. It's just, you, A, you don't want to lose to Portland just because of where they are in the standings. And that win put them, had the White Cabs drawn or won, they would have been within a point of Portland. Now Portland's all of a sudden a point off of fourth or something ridiculous like Portland, that. Portland, a team that continues to just kind of, the, the run of results Crawl. this entire year has been confusing. They beat good teams. They lose to bad teams. They, they're kind of poor at home, they don't good draw. on the road. They don't draw. They've just been a complete anomaly. So uh, I, I think this result, you know, the, with an own goal to secure an away yeah. win, it it's kind of a perfect fit for the way Portland's played this year. Exactly. So it was more frustrating that it had to be to Portland. But as Vanny Sartini kind of mentioned in the post-game press conference, you almost feel encouraged by the way you lost, they lost, if that makes any sense. Obviously, there's a one big issue that they need to crop out no matter what it's their slow start. So I think the fact that they came out so slowly gave up the first goal, like they've only scored the first goal, something like five times out of the 23 matches they've played this year. It's ridiculous. I mean, you, you, in MLS, no matter how good or bad the team is, it's, you're always going to be struggling when you have to come down for, you know, come back from down a goal. And while they were able to do it for a few games there, that luck is going to run out eventually. And it did. Cause the funny thing is, Again, the Whitecaps, whatever, whatever reason, their second half menaces. I just, you know, you think back to the game, some of the chances they got. Dybrook Caicedo was inches away from scoring a goal, the weak candidate and a key equalizer. I mean, in that last five minutes, the Whitecaps had like six different chances to, to, to crawl back and equalizer. I remember, you know, Lucas Cavallini came close. Ryan Gold came close. Christian Dahomey, everyone was coming uh, you know, coming close to, I'm pretty sure even Florian Youngworth came forward and almost scored a goal. So, you know what, you have to be encouraged by, okay, the Whitecaps, they finished game strong. Uh, I mean, even over the balance of the game, the XG was 0.9 to 0.9 XG. If you're playing bad and you're playing a fellow playoff team like Portland and your XG is 0.9 to 0.9, that's it's a bad terrible. performance that you'll yeah. take. Before three months ago, if the Whitecaps played bad, you would have been like three to 0.5 XG. Like you have 35% possession. You're staying in your own end all game. 12 shots on target allowed, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So so like you'll, you'll take a bad performance. If that's the Whitecaps bad performance bar, you'll take that. I mean, there's certainly, again, there's causes for concern. The slow starts, I think they desperately need some healthy bodies at wing back. Cause again, I think, Patrick Metcalf's shown pretty well for himself at the wing back role. He's a number eight. You know, he hasn't played in his natural position all year. It'd be nice to see that. Russell Tybert, I mean, he's a solid wing back. It's probably honestly one of his better attributes. But again, when you when you have a guy like Christian Gutierrez, uh, you know, his fitness, him being back to full fitness would be massive for the Whitecaps uh, heading into this playoff push. So there are a few, you know, maybe areas for concern as well terms of getting bodies healthy but i think the white caps they're starting to 
to, and we'll kind of talk about it maybe in, in a bit, looking back at what's changed recently. But uh, as I'll kind of, I'll hint to, as I, in my research, the Whitecaps right now are a really good defensive team. Not enough people are saying it, but if you look at the numbers, they're a really good defensive team. I think they showed that against Portland. The fact that all it took to break, you know, through them was an own goal. They only allowed 0.9 XG. The Whitecaps are a good defensive team. Where the problem is and where the problem has been all year they're just wildly inconsistent on offense. They'll have these three, four, four goal outbursts where they generate all these chances. They look good. And then the next game they'll go ice cold and they won't be able to, you know, to generate as much to finish their chances. And I think that's going to be the difference between them and a playoff spot. And I think that Portland game is a perfect example. I think it's something in the last like uh, 10 games, they've allowed more than two goals just twice so like they're defending well, but if they could score at a more consistent rate, they, they could continue to skyrocket up the standings. And I think the Portland game kind of encompasses what happens when they don't score goals. It just ends up this one nil slog where you've, you leave the stadium and feel like, okay, we could have got more out of this game. Well, so I'll ask you as someone who, who wasn't there to, to see it for myself, what did you think of the switch to three at the back? You know, especially if defensively they were already a good team and if, you know, creation-wise, in the in the past couple matches, they've been doing a good job. Did that tactical switch take away from the creativity? Did, was there just something about the matchup that didn't work? Like, what do you think the Whitecaps do this weekend against Colorado? And just you know, general thoughts on you know Vanny's tactical wrinkles so far? Because I have to imagine we're only really seeing the beginning of the Vanny Sartini Vancouver Whitecaps. Because you know the first couple matches. Vanny was was keen to admit would be a a gradual continuation of what Mark Dos Santos had installed. Oof, that's a that's a tough question. But what I'd say about the three five two, honestly, I mean, I'm I'm here for it. But the problem is with the Whitecaps, it's timing. Until Christian Gutierrez, Javane Brown, any of yeah, those guys works better with Bruno, those dynamic fullbacks, doesn't it? Bruno Gashbar. That that's the thing. What's the what do people say about using a, a three five two with with wing uh, you know with wing backs? You need good wing backs. You need yeah. you know you need optimal wing backs because the, the the reality of it is you play so much through your wing backs and I think the three five two can work. I think against RSL when Christian Dahomey, for example, put an excellent shift at wing back against RSL. You know even Patrick Metcalf in that first half against uh, RSL or second half sorry against RSL he put in a great shift at wing back, but against Portland. Patrick Metcalf, his touch was a bit off. Uh, you know, it's not his natural position, so I don't blame the, the the guy. And then Russell Tybert as well. He wasn't offering that same, you know, dynamic energy down the, the flanks. All of a sudden you lose so much from the, you know, from just what that formation is about. I think it's also a, a, a formation that's very midfield heavy. And I think against Portland, one, you know, key factor that needs to be, you know, just mentioned, Ryan Gold probably had his, first you know not bad game as a white caps it's hard to say he had a bad game when he created chances he could have had a goal or an assist because he's that good but it but was it was, was average off. by comparison oh yeah no you could see it in the stadium his touch was off which is unusual he was misplaying passes which he almost never does he had an off day so you know when you're and when you're in a three five two a from a, a formation that relies on midfield and wing back play when your midfield and wing backs aren't operating properly it leads to a performance like portland so I think there's no problem with keeping the formation going forward. I think the back three of Florian Youngberth, Ranko Veselinovic, Eric Godoy are three reasons why. I mean, they looked very good together and they, they did a good job of, of keeping Portland out of danger areas. But it, it has to, you know, it's all going to depend on how the, I guess, the, the, the seven players in front of them do. Are the Whitecaps going to be a lot more solid in midfield? Are their fullbacks going to step up? Heck, are their strikers going to be able to connect more with, with the midfield? Again, Brian White was on an island again versus Portland, and that's never a good sign when your striker's on an island. And hopefully when Lucas Cavallini comes back and he's not put on that island. So to answer the question, I'm all for the 3-5-2, but if the fullback situation remains the same, I think it might be best to kind of stick with a 4-3-3 and then continue to work towards a 3-5-2 maybe have it as that break glass in case of emergency option in the second half kind of kind of vibe but uh it, it kind of depends on the personnel right now all right well ra- rounding out some of my notes from this portland match uh this is you know this is my favorite one alex so i had to go take a look at it because you mentioned it brian white 62 minutes how many touches do you think he had uh, on my top of my head like 22 
13. Oh, that's even worse than I thought. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that is less than ideal. That's uh that's peak Mark Dos Santos era in terms of touches for your striker. Um and and then the other thing I wanted to bring up just briefly was uh, and because I wasn't there at training at the at the week leading up to it, uh Javane Brown's status came on in the 54th minute looks like it, it was that just a a load management injury thing, or, or was that a coaching decision? You think to leave him out? I know he's a little more of a, you know, traditionally out of university wasn't a wing back type, was more of a you know three at the back center back. But do you think he can he can fit that that role in this Vanny system? Yeah, I think so. I think he's shown a pretty good ability for all, pretty much all all the games he's played, except maybe this Portland game to be a good crosser of the ball. He, he makes good decisions. He tracks back. Yeah, no, I think he's absolutely a, a wing back. And with Javane Brown, he's ready to go for this weekend, I'm pretty sure. Because obviously for him, it was just the international break. He got he, yeah. he got called oh, up to right. Jim. He it got feels like it's been, it's been yeah, such a long time. I lose I lose track of things. But he had quite the commute to get back. That's it. Because he played like four minutes across 270. Yeah. Like he wasn't tired. But mm-hmm. for him, his travel, I'm pretty sure Jamaica had to start in Panama. No, they had to start in Mexico. They had to go back to Jamaica, and then they finished in Panama. And then he had to head up to Vancouver. And for anyone who has a map handy right now, I have one on my wall over there. So hopefully... would have been would have been far better to do it the other way, right? Panama first, then Jamaica, then Mexico in like terms Mexico, of travel back. Vancouver to Mexico to to Panama. No, just looking at my map over there, that's just it's an obscene it's it's an obscene travel. So obviously. He also came back, I think it was Thursday afternoon or evening. And because they played on a Friday, he had no training sessions. Yeah. It was no surprise that he or Lucas Cavallini, the two outfield players, uh, they both came in after training Thursday. They didn't start. Obviously, Maxime Crepo, a goalkeeper, they they put him in and there was no problems. I say, I say if that game's a Saturday or a Sunday, they're both starting, Javine Brown and Lucas Cavallini. But I just think for him, it was purely the, the ridiculous travel load that CONCACAF's triple match days uh, offer up. Yeah, I had to refresh my memory there. And then just a very random note. Did that uh Max, you know, r- rattled me a little bit by shaving shaving the head there, going going super short. That's uh that's interesting. We've had kind of the the comb over look. Christian Dahomey was blonde again too. I so saw that. that. Was also yeah. that quite so the look. Had some had some look updates, you know, uh, maybe if we get if we get into the the walk-in fits to the stadium at some point, we'll have to we'll have to discuss that a little bit, but that certainly stood out to me. And then since you mentioned it, since we were talking about guys coming back from the international break, I know you were talking about it pre-show. Lucas Cavallini thoughts getting back in the lineup. I mean, first of all, I think we should acknowledge his his recovery from injury. Um yes. th- this was I, I, when I was at training the week after He'd initially suffered the injuries out there running around saying he was ready to go for Pacific on the Thursday. Obviously, that didn't happen, and I think it was a little bit in jest. But, you know, he, he's a determined guy when he wants to get back in the lineup, but but didn't look fantastic against Portland. But, uh, you know, still probably ramping back to to full match fitness. But he, he did look sharp in training sessions I was able to watch as he as he kind of got back into things. I mean... Oh boy, it's, it looks Cavallini's such a tough one. I mean, you can't doubt the guy's passion. I, obviously, he worked hard to get back in action for Canada, but also for the Caps. I mean, you know, it, it, to be honest, he was he was in his hometown of Toronto. You know, he could have easily come back from 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 Toronto. Maybe the the day of the game. Oh, he doesn't make the match day squad. He sits in the press box and he's back for Colorado. But you know, him traveling and going straight back into the Whitecaps squad doesn't necessarily scream someone who's uncommitted to the Whitecaps. I think that, you know, just because I'll, I'll put that out there, the, the talk I keep seeing online of people saying he's uncommitted, I think that's 100% false. If anything, you if you, if you see Lucas Cavallini in training, he's one of the most committed guys on the team right now. Heck, even before his injury, when there was no thoughts of Canada, no anything, they'd have to drag him off the field every time because he'd want to stay on doing free kicks, penalties, shooting, working on his touch. He likes, you know, he's a passionate guy. If anything, uh, with with Lucas Cavallini, the, the issue he needs to find right now is he's working through a slump. I think there's no doubt. I mean, if you look at it, when's the last time he scored a goal? It's been at least three or four months, I swear. Uh, I will confirm that number, but that's just anecdotally it feels like that long. So if, if for me, it feels like that long. Imagine for a striker like Lucas Cavallini and his, his head, if it's really been that long, it'll feel like 30 years, you know, without scoring a goal. So obviously he's in a frustrating place right now. 
you know, he isn't, you know, he's suffered that injury too. Like that was a big blow for a guy like Lucas Kevin isn't a guy that gets injured often. Look at him. He's, he's a very fit guy. He's built like a tank for, for a lack of a better way to put it. So for, for, for him, he's just going through a frustrating patch. And I think he needs to work through it because I think if he can get, if you can get a motivated inform Lucas Cavallini, that would be huge for the Whitecaps. Just imagine a guy like Lucas Cavallini getting on the end of Ryan Gold's chances. I think with how he plays, they could be a very good mix for each other. And, uh, you know, two players that complement each other very well. But on the flip side, Cavallini, obviously, metaphorically gripping the stick too tight, you know, hockey, good old hockey metaphor. What happens against Portland? He comes on, he scuffs a chance. What's the first thing he does? He gets into a brouhaha that, you know, waits his five minutes off the clock because he tried to, you know, he was getting into a pushing match and you, you could tell the emotions are getting the best of him. So for Lucas Cavallini, I'm not necessarily looking there and be like, oh, this is a problem. This is, you know, toxic. I can understand from, from his standpoint as a striker, he's going through a rough patch, but for his sake, he just needs to put his head down, get to work and hopefully get a goal or two and get rolling again. Cause if he can be in form, like we're not talking about that enough, I say. The Whitecaps, again, as I'll mention later, defensively, they've been on point. We talk about them struggling offensively. They've had a DP pretty much this whole this whole summer. One DP. Uh, the, you know, it's Ryan Gold who came in late. What What's going to happen when they get their two DPs, including the DP striker they spent $6 million on on the pitch? That should help their offense, right? So if Lucas Cavallini could get in form and get back on the pitch, that could be a difference maker for the Whitecaps. Well, yeah, one of the only other teams I can think of that's, you know, gone through that one designated player situation is someone like like Houston, right, for a while. Well, that's they all, all they have is one. Day, ex- one exactly, or two but, but that puts it in perspective that, you know, the Whitecaps are, have been competing with, with teams not in that, in that same position. So it's certainly encouraging, but, you know, on the flip side, you look at, you look at the $6 million spent and you, you do wonder – looking at the overall body of work so far. I'll, I'll well, put guys with, like Theo Bear and David Egbo are bagging on loan too. And I'll so. put this with the massive caveat of, you know, we really haven't seen Gold and Cava play together yet for a significant period. So I think this could, it could change everything. But 31 MLS matches, nine goals, three assists, 11 yellow cards. Like, it's not ideal, certainly. That's well, it's basically that's just three games under a full season, too. Just for some context, for exactly. Games. And and I mean that that's not a that's not a poor goal scoring rate, but it's certainly not what you paid six million dollars for. So it, it's a wait and see. Um, you you want to see him stay healthy too. You want to see him stay engaged. He's just he's had a difficult time being really consistent. So I'm I'm hoping that the end of this season he can find a run of form and then you know, spring that forward into 21-22 and, and hopefully get an undisturbed, real quality MLS showing because I feel like that's that's what he needs to to establish himself because at this point he's kind of a, I want to say a replacement level designated player at striker. You know, he's, a, he's not a replacement level player, don't get me wrong, but I don't think you're getting surplus value out of that DP spot, if that makes sense. Well, all I'll say about Lucas Cavallini, if you look at his form now and what his price was, you you can't help but wonder. I'll use Theo Bear because he's rolling right now in Norway. You know, three goals, five games, what, et cetera, et cetera. Al- almost you, like he's a good player or something, right? Almost like he's a good player, need an opportunity. <laughs> but uh, if we speak, we're in big trouble. But <laughs> to quote quote Jose Mourinho, but just saying, if you're going to take a Lucas Cavalini out the squad, sell him, put a Theo Bear in and use that DP spot on a number eight or another winger or something like that. Does that feel like better value? It almost does. And I think Lucas Cavallini in the next 11 games, he needs to play his out of his, or I guess next 10 games since he'll miss one for Canada and knock on what he doesn't pick up any more injuries in the next 10 games. He has to prove that a, a decision like that for the white caps, isn't the better option. Isn't the more financially viable option because you know, again, like it's not like nine goals in, in, in 31 games. If you're, if you're getting, if Brian White scored nine goals in, in 31 games over an MLS season, like for what his, he's cost, like that's, a, that's good for a striker. Any striker hitting, flirting with double digit goals is, you know, is a good season. Not necessarily if you're Zlatan Ibrahimovic, yes, that's a bad season. If you're Joseph Martinez, okay, it's not a good season, but for an average striker, 10 goals in 30 games is never a bad season. But for the for a guy who played six million for when you know you could throw in a Theo Bear again making seventy k a twenty two year old a homegrown could he flirt with ten goals? 
you know, he's cert- certainly shown that capacity. So I'll, I'll just, you know, throw that there. And anyways, I, I did the research. Last time Lucas Kevlin, he scored a goal for club or country. How's your memory, Sam? Do you have an idea of when it would, how long ago it was? Oh my goodness. Was the last one for Canada or was the last one for the Whitecaps? That's what I'm Should, should right I give now. you a hint or is that? Yeah, you, I, I would, I would love it. I would, it's for great. the Whitecaps, believe okay. it or not. Goodness. It's, I have it's gonna be, I have no I want to say it was against RSL but I don't know why. He he did not score against RSL this year but it was around then it was against FC Dallas on July 5th that oh July the goodness. that July the 4th game where he yeah. scored in the first half the header right. from the Christian Dahomey yeah. uh, cross if I'm not mistaken or it was it was a cross I remember he scored. Since then he went on international break with Canada at the Gold Cup didn't score, came back, played against the Galaxy, got injured had his injury came back for Canada and then has come back right. for the white caps and hasn't scored. So it only has been like five or six games, but it's yeah. been two and a half months for, again, for a striker that feels like three years. Totally. Yeah. Those, I think you outlined the whole, the whole Cava discussion. Well, and this wasn't something we necessarily planned, but I think it was a good discussion to get into. Just, he's got to show that, that value for his position within the squad over the rest of this season in order for, has to be something Axel Schuster is looking at. You know, you want to max maximize every spot on the roster, and that just doesn't feel like a full maximization of that designated player spot at the moment. Again, that's not saying Kava is a player of quality, and that that could change awfully quick. He could easily have five goals in five straight matches, and then you're talking about it from a completely different standpoint. But it's just something we're going to have to watch out for, especially again against FC Dallas against. San Jose against Houston, he's got to thrive and make with Ryan you know, Gold behind him. Make those subpar or you know at least MLS average defenses pay for their mistakes. Hello everyone, Alex here from the Third Sub, taking a quick break from the show to just give a quick shout out to our friends over at Macy Sports, who are proud. We're proud to have partners of the Third Sub podcast. Make sure to check them out, located in North Van, near the Second Narrows Bridge. You can get all sorts of soccer equipment. Soccer season is right around the corner. If your shin pads got holes in them, you need new boots, you want some of the new and freshest kits that Europe and North America has to offer, and other places, Macy's is the place to go. So make sure to check them out. If you say you listen to the third sub, you do get a nice little discount. So that's always nice as well. So make sure to check out Macy's Sports and we'll get right back into the show. That's it. And especially again with the service, there's no more excuses for for Cavallini now. He's got a healthy number 10 who's playing as one of the best number 10s in the league right now. Ryan Gold looks to be up to full fitness a month after, you know, making his debut. There, there, there are no excuses for for Lucas Cavallini. And it's going to be interesting because as much as we hate to say it, because a guy like, again, Brian White, you know, was he's playing well right now. You can't you can't deny for whatever reason when he does get the touches, when he does get in the service, he just gets into this, the dirty areas, the six yard box. He gets in a spots and he knows how to get it done. And, if a guy like Lucas Cavallini can't do what Brian White's doing, again, for what the, the difference in salary cost is when you got guys like David Agbo and Theo Bear kicking around in your system, it's going to be up to Lucas Cavallini. And the, the beautiful thing is there's no excuses. And if he can get bagging, if you're the Whitecaps, that's exciting because of where they stand in the playoff push. But uh, kind of moving on, uh, uh, any other talking points, say, from this Portland game, or do we want to go maybe into a bit of other Whitecaps talk? I don't think so. I think let's, before we, we touch on Colorado and looking forward to the weekend, let's just have a bit of a chat about Vanny Sartini so far. Because it's an interesting position. I don't think anyone really feels like he's the permanent solution. But at the same time, it's this great test case. You've got, you've got someone else at the helm kind of trialing different different systems you're you're getting to see this roster under someone other than mark dos santos what have we thought so far i mean to me the biggest thing that has stood out is his willing and his almost ruthlessness to change things on the fly like something that's absolutely seared in my mind is watching 
not the match against RSL, but the one that followed it, which I, I'm just going to have to recall in my memory, would have been against Austin. And, and that first half against Austin, you could see him on the sidelines. He's pacing around. You know, the Whitecaps did that typical thing where they, they get the ball into the midfield. Everyone stands still. There's no oh. movement. They pass it back <laughs> to the center backs, and then they try again. And then the, the system repeats over and over again until they lose the ball, basically. And I watched Vanny on the sidelines, and you see him. They made that pass forward, and they made the pass back. And he turns around. He's like, no, this isn't right. Like, he's, he's frustrated. And you could see in his pacing, it was like, okay, something has to change. This is not acceptable. I'm not just going to watch my team play this way for the next 65 minutes. We're going to throw a massive wrench into the equation. And that's what they did. They you know, everyone was playing fullback. They they swapped sides. They did did all kinds of different things, and that was just such a stark contrast with what we saw in the Mark DeSantis era, which was, oh well, we're not playing poorly. We're not conceding, you know, a ton of chances. So let's just leave it the way it is. And that's been, I think, regardless of whoever the next manager is, that's something that has to has to live on. Is that that willingness to change things up, that willingness to be to be uncompromising, to, to say that a 6 out of 10 is not good enough. We need to push for that 8, 9 out of 10 performance. And sometimes it's not going to work. Sometimes you're going to take a match where you had a chance of drawing 1-1 and you're going to not throw that result away, but you're going to risk the single point to go after all three. But I, I like the fact that Vanny has at least been been somewhat willing to do that. And I think that's very important for whoever the new coach is. But uh, yeah, Alex, you're, that, got, that got a little, not off the rails, but I got a little oh, sidetracked there. But your, your thoughts so far on, on Vanny Sartini, and maybe you can speak a little bit. Again, it's, it's nice to be on the touchline or be able to view down to the touchline and see you know, what his interactions were with the players during the Portland match. Well, I'll just start it off by saying, if Vanny Sartini was willing to take the head coaching job i'd give it to him i would have said the same six months ago this guy is overqualified for the job in terms of the question is really does he want to do it is is coaching a first team his his desire it's a grind and 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 we're not entirely sure because he's he's certainly inhabited other roles and he seems to have preferred those but but maybe something's changed because he's been overqualified for a while now and he, he there's a reason why he was coaching coaches down in the U.S. Like he was a teacher of teachers in the U.S. Like you don't you don't get to that that a role like that by being underqualified. That's for sure. He was, you know, even with the the, the Whitecaps, he was a first team assistant. Obviously, probably a pretty good paying job. I mean, being the director of methodology is probably a similar paying job. So it's nothing to do with money. But just saying, he was a first team assistant. That's a job that a lot of people would take. And he's like, no, I want to go run an academy from top down. I want to change. Like you can tell the way his mind works. He's a very sharp soccer mind that really, he likes grassroots things. He likes projects. He likes- I think there's there's ambition beyond personal success. It's about building something for Vanny. It's about well, educating others and not just, you know, not just getting the most out of himself, but getting the most out of the people around him. And I think that's applicable or at least can be both at the at the first team level and at the development level. It's just how do you apply it? How do you get the most out of it, right? Well, the thing is with the development level, yes, you're focusing on winning games, but your blueprint, if you're sitting down and starting a job at an academy today, your blueprint likely is for 2024, 2025, 2026. What Vanny Sartini has admitted, uh, you know, in his short time as an interim head coach it, at the pro game, it's every every game that ahead of you is like it's la- like your last. You focus too much on results. That's why managers tend to make decisions like, you know, playing veterans that you trust over kids. Just for an example, not yeah. to single out any, you know, any coaches or any teams. It's just an example. You tend to prioritize winning at all costs and obviously that's what you're supposed to do and, and your own sport. your own job security plays into that it, it has yeah, to because every game could end up you could be like mark DeSantos. you're winning you're on a good run of, of form you're unbeaten you're just starting to to cruise the you know get get into the the playoff race and then you lose one game and you're fired you're gone you have you're un, you're unemployed you're looking for for a new job that's a brutal system but whereas vanny he gets work in the academy he gets to look and be like, I'm going to mold the 2025 Vancouver Whitecaps. I'm going to have all the next, you know, 
And you look at Vanny, you can tell he's more intrigued by something like that. So I, I don't think he'll last beyond the season, not because the Whitecaps don't want him. Heck, if I'm Max, let's just try to love to have a guy like Vanny Sartini. He knows the club. He knows all the prospects, et cetera. He's very overqualified, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he's gone by the end of the year. But I think at this point, even if you find a guy, you try to sign that guy in January if you can and let Vanny get the rest of the year. Because I would like to see what he can do for 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 the rest of the year in this role just because as you mentioned for me it's the adjustments mark de santos often he'd get the you know for sometimes he'd get the game plan right at the beginning sometimes you don't heck pep guardiola sometimes gets the game plan right at the beginning sometimes he doesn't that's you know it's normal for coaches to to be wrong so you don't know what you're going to expect from your other coach you don't know how how your players are going to play that's coaching it's very fluid there's a lot happening but for me, Vanny Sartini, just the changes he makes, they make no sense sometimes, but he's doing, he has changed, he makes changes with the purpose. It's not, oh, we're playing bad. Let's sub out a right back for a right back. Cause that will clearly, you know, it was obviously the individual performance that's changing. You know, Vanny, I like that he has this mad genius about him where he's like, that, I think of that RSL game, his first in charge. He's like, or no, not the RSL, sorry, the Austin game. He's like, we're playing bad. Let's go from a 4-3-3 to like a 3-4-3 with a center back or a center mid playing right back and then a, a, our, our leading score playing left wing back and then our, our shortest center mid playing center back. And it just made no sense. And it made so much sense at the same time. Like if you think about it, why the heck was Michael Baldissimo playing as center back in a back three? Why was Christian Dahomey the leading scorer playing as a wing back? Why was Patrick Metcalf playing as a wing back? But it worked. It made sense somehow. Well, was- I'll tell you something. There's, there's one thing I can guarantee. Austin FC did not prepare for that shape and that formation in their, in their pre-scout, in their training during the week. They were not ready for that. <laughs> How the heck do you scout that? You're like, yeah, so they're losing. They're going to put their shortest center mid at center back, and they're going to put their leading score at wing back, and it's going to really stump you guys. You'd laugh. You'd be like, this guy's a madman, and that's why it worked. It was so obscene. I remember tweeting along in that game, and every time the sub happened, I was so confused. I'm like, Okay, they're subbing in a center mid for a strike. Oh, that striker is now playing like left back. Like it was, it was really fun to to follow along, and I appreciate that about Benny Sartini. He's got this this eye for what's going on in the field, and I think so far through three games, I don't think I don't know if he's made a bad sub. Uh, you know, even you, or at least he hasn't made a sub without a purpose. If if that makes sense, every sub has had a purpose, and if that sub has maybe not lived up to expectations, that was more on the sub. That wasn't necessarily Benny's idea. I look at. And it's shown against RSL what happens. They were at 1-0 at halftime. They ended up winning 4-1. They spanked RSL in the second half. They adjusted and they looked good. What happened against Austin? They were they were I think they were down one nothing at half. They came back. They 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 adjusted. What happened versus Portland? They were struggling in the first half. If you look at the XG plot, they completely swamped Portland in the second half and should have won the game. And it's just that sort of adjustment level is so key. And I like that so much about Vanny Sartini. And if he and his staff can start to figure out a plan that gets them going from the start, I'd say watch out because with the depth that the Whitecaps have, we've talked about it all season long. The Whitecaps have depth now. So, if, and we've always, that's why we've complained. That's why we've, we're called the third sub. That's why every match we'd sit in here and be like, why didn't Mark DeSantos make more subs? The Whitecaps have depth. So now that they have someone willing to use that depth, if they can, if Vanny Sartini can start to figure out a plan to, to for, the, for the Whitecaps to play good from minute one to minute 90, I have full confidence in what he can do from, uh, you know, in the next 11 games, just because, you know, you know that he's going to adjust to what's going on. He's going to get the most out of the white caps and with the talent that they have, that should be enough to, to hopefully make a, 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 not only make the playoffs, but even make, maybe make some noise in the playoff pick, steal a result or there at single game elimination. You never know what, what can happen. And I think because of that, Vanny Sartini is certainly, I wouldn't say exceeded my expectations, but he certainly even surprised me a bit. Yeah, and just to that whole sub conversation, I mean, yeah, they don't they don't get the goal back to to at least secure a draw against Portland or or heck go after three points, but you saw the the onslaught late, and I think a big part of the reason behind that, you know, when do you make your subs? Javane Brown the fifty fourth, Lucas Cavallini in the sixty second, David Caicedo and Leo Usu in the seventy third. Sometimes Mark would mar- usually make his first. Sub I was gonna this. say seventy third <laughs> minute would probably be. A you know Jake Norwinski for um, 
you know, for whoever was currently at fullback type sub, and and that would be all you get, right? And and you're looking under Vanny, they're they're down a goal and they're making changes. And he's made two. He made subs at halftime in two of the three games he's yeah, coached too. Exactly. I think that goes a long way, and hopefully that just sets a standard for this team going forward. That they're, as you said, they have depth. They have guys like Leo Usu who are sneaky good MLS players that that need at least some running. Maybe you're not a day by day starter, but you can have a role. You know, I, I think Daber Caicedo. The if we say the second half of this season so far. I think he's been one of the Whitecaps' best players. It's consistent match-in, match-out. He's put in the work, and he's been getting maybe not his maximum in terms of goal and assist output, but he's been getting more out of it. It felt like in the first half there were some opportunities squandered, but he's been dynamic in this second part of the season so far. And you know, even if it's in a super sub role, I, I like that we're we're seeing players that kind of understand what's being asked of them a little bit more. And, and, and that's really exciting. But uh, do we want to talk I mean, a little was, bit, I'll, do we I'll want to talk a little bit Colorado or you want to, I'll let well, you one last point. Well, okay. one last point before we go to Colorado. Another thing I'll say with Vanny, we're seeing more production from guys one to 18 on the roster with Mark DeSantos. Yeah. When the white caps were in form, it was usually only still a 10, 11, 12 guys that were a cause for that form. Where well, and even within that, it was like, you know, the, the Daho and Cavallini train or the, it, it would be two or three guys or really the, getting the most out of it. Or the Daniel Bikel. Yeah. It would always yeah. be individual. And it's, it's just nice. Cause if you're looking at the white caps roster from, we'll say the, the, the latest game, even though there's some key players still missing from their roster, you look at their lineup. I mean, most of their starting lineup, uh, starting 11 did a pretty good job. I mean, you look at the bench though, you got Diber Caicedo, Lucas Cavallini, Leo Wusu, Javane Brown, Ryan Raposo even has been, you know, he's been having some good shifts to St. Ricketts. It's, it's a nice feeling to, to have to, you know, and I think that's fostering a good environment in training now. Cause every time I go to Whitecaps training, it's very upbeat. Uh, it's very, you know, very intense, a lot of competition. I think Vanny Sartini is really starting to, to, to finally maximize the depth that the Whitecaps have at hand. And I guess kind of, you know, to transition, as we mentioned that Colorado game, he's going to have a, a good chance to continue to maximize that depth because he's got, uh, you know, a pretty full roster. I still think uh, I'll, I'm going to be at training. Uh, obviously we're recording on a Thursday. We'll be at training at Friday and I'll obviously probably put out a roster update, uh, you know, online as, as I tend to do when I go to training, but uh, you know, assuming that 98% of the squad's healthy, Vanny's going to have a lot of uh, choices to, to work with uh, on Sunday. So this Colorado game, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be quite the challenge for them though. It's going to be quite the challenge. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the Vancouver Whitecaps were undefeated in, in 10 straight matches, right? So Portland now, I believe, is undefeated in their last nine. So running into a team with with you know a similar good run of form, a lot of draws mixed in there as well. But uh, both of these teams coming off matches against Portland, which is which is interesting. Uh, you know, Portland's a red card in that one. But we talked we talked um, with a guest from the the Rapids prior to the year, and something that really is you know singed in my memory is. Uh, the conversation with uh, Rachel Vigil, and we kind of asked her about. I, I just had to recall her name there for a second, so I bought myself some time. But glad, I, glad I was going to hop in if you did. not Yeah, I, glad I, I finally got there. But I remember asking her about playoff expectations, and her response was, "Well, we think we can win the MLS Cup." And it was kind of like, "Okay, that's really? that's that's interesting." But I have to say, they've come a long way, you know. One of our one of our Canadian boys, Mark Anthony K, getting added to the fold. That trade is great addition uh, to the wow. squad. Wow, one of the better one of the better midfields in MLS. They've, they've got a good back line. They've got a good keeper. They have found consistency there. There's a variety of options at striker. It's it's maybe a little bit more the the thrifty budget approach than you know just one one guy it's it's kind of a, a group scoring effort but they've they've been finding ways to put in good results and they're currently in that top echelon really seattle skc and colorado are the class of the west and going down to dick scoring goods you know uh in the in the elevation something the white cap should be familiar with but something they haven't experienced in a little bit i, I think this is going to be a challenge for the caps but but one they're they're not incapable of overcoming well first of all i'll say 
all the out of all this two words robin fraser i mean i look at the yeah. coach, coach of the, the year candidate teams. right for sure i look at the coach of the top teams peter vermees brian schmetzer you know bruce arena they all coach the top teams they're all candidates uh in terms of play you know greg vanny obviously deserves a very strong shout gary smith over at nashville he's what they've been doing is phenomenal the fact that from in year two the team you know where they're at uh Hernan Lasada isn't talked about enough, so I'll give some love to him. But amongst those, for what he's getting out of his team and how they're playing, and not only how they're playing, but just they're getting results against good teams. Robin Fraser, for at least for me, has to be on the short list for 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 coach of the year. And again, just they've made such shrewd acquisitions too. We've kind of mentioned that within MLS before, how they picked up guys like Lala Sabubakar, who've become such a you know key part of their their defense. They they've picked up. Uh, you, you know they've 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 started to to funnel guys through the academy. They picked up a guy like Mark Anthony K. They got such solid piece like Lewis. You know you got Cole Bassett coming through. You know Jack Price. You're not even talking about a guy like Eunice Namley who's been kind of rolling in and out. M- Michael Barrios was such a shrewd acquisition. True, he scored a, a big goal last night for Colorado against Portland. Talon Acosta is a forgotten piece. I haven't even got to. You got depth like D- Nico Mesquita, Dominic Badgie. Like they've just built such a solid team. Like, yes, there might, they might not only, I think they only have one DP still. Like they haven't changed that, but they just have such a deep roster. They're well coached. They rotate tactically. They're so astute for me, Robin Fraser, a fantastic coach. And I mean, we'll talk about him since I'm very familiar with him. That Mark Anthony K trade was robbery. And I think it's just, it, it was a symptom of what's been wrong with LAFC. The fact that over the last three years, they've decided of the players they have in their roster is a good idea to trade Mark Anthony K Walker Zimmerman and uh, Tyler Miller is just, you know, borders on stupidity. The, Pro- the probably the three are... players you, you'd want to keep the most and they've well, them all out. <laughs> well, because you trade them within MLS, you don't get money for them. They got them. Yeah. They traded those three for what a combined 2.5 million allocation. Yes. It hurts to lose a guy like Edward at Atuesta. He's phenomenal. But at least you could get 15, 20 million in card cash to reinvest elsewhere. So the fact that they traded those three players and Mark Anthony case showing why, just what a player he's been for Colorado. They really, they've always been a solid defensive team this year, but ever since K's come in kind of playing in this free role, sometimes he plays a wing back. Sometimes he's playing as a winger. Sometimes he's playing as a number 10. He's, he has a free role. I just, I'll use last night's game as an example against Portland. He had two key passes, I think his expected assist was 0.5 or something like that. He had a few shots. He he didn't miss any of his crosses. Like he's just such a good offensive player. And I think Colorado, they're slowly at the start of the year. What we saw from them was that they were a defensively good team, a team that could compete for the playoffs. And now they've now that they've started to score goals and figure themselves out offensively with their defense, they're just such a tricky team to beat. You know, they're they're not a team that's going to come in and blow the barns off you in a 4-3 game, but they're a kind of team that will grind you down and then win 2-0. And that's those are almost the teams you fear most because you know that's the kind of team that will go far in the playoffs. Teams, you've seen it in past, like that LAFC team in 2019 where they were so exciting and then in playoffs they in the playoffs they hit a wall. Well, this Colorado team strikes me as a kind of team that, that can go away into a Seattle, go away into a Sporting KC, grind out a 1 or 2-0 and get move on into the next round. And because of that, this Colorado team... They, 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 they just do a lot of things right, let's just say, in terms of where they're going and where they, 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 they want to be at the end of this season. Yeah, when we look at MLS teams a lot, especially in the offseason, we kind of analyze rosters. We talk about, we love those market inefficiencies, right? Or, or teams that are doing things a little bit differently than the rest. And I think the reason why, to illustrate your point, that you can be confident that Colorado could go in almost anywhere and have a fighting chance is... You know, I'll read these names off. You know, you got William Yarborough at keeper. Then you got Keegan Rosenberry, Lila Sabubakar, Danny Wilson, Aaron Trusty. Those are all guys you you trust defensively. Those are all really quality MLS players, and that's a that's a spine you can take into any match, into any environment, and you know, you're not gonna lose shape, you're not gonna get blown out of the building let alone what they've got in midfield, let alone the variety they have up front. You know, I think that's maybe the the potential weakness for for Colorado is, you know, can they just find consistent goal after goal after goal? Is there one guy they can count on to bag it in the back of the net all the time? 
the, you know, you don't have a Carlos Vela. So maybe, maybe when it comes to a big match, that's your weakness. But I think week in, week out in MLS, a quality keeper, a quality backline, not every team has investment in that. And it feels like Colorado has done a really good job there. Yeah. And I mean, this will be certainly be something to, to, to talk more about in the off season, but you mentioned market inefficiencies. I'm, re- I'm completely here for teams like Colorado. Uh, I'll, I'll use Colorado and Montreal. So the two teams I can think of off the top of my head, just showing that if you're smart and you pounce on guys with an MLS, you could build a good team full for, for cheap with guys like Mark Anthony K's and Lalas Abubakar's and Kamal Miller's and Jordi Mihailovic's and Mason toys. So I'm honestly, I'm, I'm also here for that on the market inefficiency yeah. standpoint that if you're going to pay 5 million for a South American, yes, that's good investment. You're never going to go wrong with, with, with you know, it's, it's, it's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have that sort of money, say you're like a Colorado or, you know, if a Mark Anthony K comes up for trade, 1.1 million of this funny money that really isn't real is kind of a really good, you know, good investment in these kinds of players. Like there's nothing wrong uh, with, with investing in that. So I just, yeah, I love the way Colorado's roster is built. I love the way they're coached. I love that they're playing a three, four, two, one with players played out of position and they're doing well. I'm always here for that sort of tactical wrinkles. And uh, yeah, I mean, for them, this is a massive game. Cause I think we kind of, as you highlight in the beginning, they're a team they're right now they're three points off of first two games in hand on SKC. Uh, they're t- two points behind Seattle who they have the same amount of games played. If there's amongst those three teams, Colorado, if they can finish first in the supporter shield race fit first in the, in or they won't finish unlikely to finish first in the supporter shield. Sorry. Cause new England's been running away with that, but first in the West, they're not a team that anyone in the West will want to have to travel away from what for, sorry. Why? Because in November in Colorado, it's what? Usually it's minus five, it's snowing, and there's the altitude. So if Colorado can also steal a home field advantage in the playoffs, you also do have to, to, to fancy their chances. And I think the Whitecaps will get a taste of that. It's a tough away venue to play. And for, for this Whitecaps team that has kind of gotten a little comfortable at home as of late, this is going to be a real you know punch in the, the face again, reminding them of what they'll have to deal with in the rest of this MLS season if they're to make the playoffs. Yeah, I just want to I just want to back up what I said about their defensive record because I just wanted to you know fact check myself and they do have the third best defensive record in MLS so far this year behind just Seattle and Nashville. So you know not only players that inspire confidence, but they've definitely been getting it done at the defensive end and only four losses as well. So they've been able to yes pick up a number of draws, but also avoid dropping all three points and obviously in the west that's uh that's been key so far this year so yeah alex any any final thoughts here maybe you know any wrinkles on the white cap side how how they can best match up against this colorado team yeah it's a good question i think they're, they're going to be in tough in the midfield which is it's going to be interesting to see how they cope with that because the white caps They've kind of been all over the map in midfield. I think wide areas should be one to target. I was going to say Dahomey and Caicedo get them in space. I I think that's got to be the, and maybe you go back to a a 4-3-3 type look or just something that that gets those wide areas involved. I'd say go back. You can even stick with that that Christmas tree slash 3-4-2-1. Yeah. But... Oh, that's tough. Okay, maybe not. That maybe gets a little narrow, right? Especially against a a solid Colorado team. I think the 3-4-2-1, not against Colorado, because that would mean putting Galden as an eight, and I think they need as much as they can get in the midfield. So I think if you go to a 4-2-3-1, maybe play a double pivot of Janio Bikel and one of Baldissimo or Awusu. Uh, Play Galden as a number 10. Uh, You rock with... Uh, Christian Dahomey and Diber Caicedo as the two wide players, Lucas Cavallini up top, get Javane Brown back in uh, at left back. Whoever's we'll fit, if, basically, if, right? <laughs> if he's fit, if not, you know, Bruno Gaspar, maybe, you know, give put Javane at left back because he's actually proven to be good there and put Bruno Gaspar in his right back position where he's looked a lot better. I think that's a team that can do a bit of damage. Go down the flanks, uh, try to attack those channels, those in, inside channels, get Cavallini some service, try not to get overrun in midfield with Bikal. Maybe, uh, you know, put in a guy like Awusu over Baldissimo just so you have a little more defensive, uh, you know, coverage, say, say in the midfield. I think that's a team that could uh, could do some bit of damage. Just finish with Eric Godoy and uh, one of 
Ooh, that's tough, actually. Between Florian Youngworth, Ranko Veselinovic, Eric Godoy, they've all three of them have been playing well. I don't know which of the I think two it's you got to, I think it's got to be Godoy and Flo. I think that combination has been really game, successful. Would, I think that might be smart for an away game. You run Max Crepo. So I think there's the, this Colorado team can be attacked, but the Whitecaps are going to have to be meticulous because if not, this Colorado team will grind you down and then will beat you. Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I I want to bring up one final point here before we sign off. Kind of another big picture one. We talked about Lucas Cavallini a little bit already, but Bruno Gaspar. Do you think at the, at this point is there is there any chance? Is there any way that he could make a case for himself to be a a long term fit with the Whitecaps? Or have we gone far enough down the road in this season that? The Whitecaps, you know, and just and through the emergence of Javane Brown and through you know the continued success of a guy like Gutierrez, are the Whitecaps content at this point to just look in another direction in the offseason? At this at his current selling price, no, no it's easy. No, you, you'd cost close to Ali Adnan money, and even what Ali Adnan was offered, even though the market on, has changed significantly since that purchase, it's it's still not a shrewd financial well, move. Well, it's just if you. If he was going to cost Ali Adnan, he's not even close to Ali Adnan impact. Like Ali Adnan was good, whether or not people like to, to admit it. His st- statistics were really good. He was a good player. He just, his fit in the team was questionable at best. But uh, in terms, so at that price, no. If you know, go, if you talk to Sporting, because I don't know if Sporting would want him back at this rate, his injury problems, whatnot. I think he's the kind of player that if you can get him at a discounted price just to have around in the group, he's obviously integrated well in the group. He gets along well with the Portuguese speaker, speakers. He speaks English. Uh, you know, him and, him and Bruno Gaspar, or sorry, not him and Bruno Ryan Gaspar. Gold, Ryan Gold. get along really me. well. Yeah, so maybe, if you can maybe get him that has some worse. I'm all for it. But I think at this current selling rate, you, you don't even ask questions. Like You just say sporting take him back but then you could call them back and cold call and be like hey i know you, you're probably wanting to get rid of him we'll take him at a significantly cheaper price point yeah and then and, you start and, the negotiation honestly there there might be some validity to that and, and sporting may very well be willing to listen at this point i just it's i think it's an interesting thing to track for the rest of the year and we may Javane ne- brown gutierrez yeah. i'll just say and jake Nowinski. that's a good group that's and we, good we may group. never confront this question really because if they're fit again and bruno doesn't really get in then i think the decision's obvious but it would just be interesting if jake and goody continue to struggle with injury issues or one of them goes out and Bruno does get an extended run and looks good, then maybe it changes the conversation. I just think that'll be something to track over these last 10 games or so. It'll be interesting to see what the fullback solution. I think if you're the white caps in the off season, again, a name like Diadine Abzi, if you can have There's him, some good CPL options. Like his, num- his numbers right now are even are just something else. And even, Again, I've been banging this drum for years. Kwame Awuwa, if you can somehow poach him out. And then for Bruno, in that case, Bruno, it'll come down to Bruno Gaspar versus Jake Nerwinski. Again, is there market in, in MLS for Jake Nerwinski? Do you trust him, et cetera, et cetera? Because I think you keep, if you're looking at the fullbacks you have now, Gutierrez and Javane Brown are non-negotiables. They're cheap. They like being in MLS. They're good. They're national team players. No problems. But you need depth because, A, they're national team players. I said it. They're going to be gone and also be injury history. Uh, they've both suffered uh, injuries at times. You get depth behind them. So if Bruno Gaspar ends up being that guy at a discounted price, yes, but you're not paying 1.3 mil for a, for a backup right back. That would just be obscene. Uh, that would be a market just <laughs> – that would be a very, I guess, efficient market for sporting, but definitely not an efficient market for the Whitecaps. Yeah, I mean, that would be – it would be a market inefficiency, but, you know, the Whitecaps being inefficient ra- rather than taking advantage of it. So you don't want to see that and – uh yeah, it'll be, it'll be something that we'll have to watch out for for the rest of the year. But uh, Alex, any thoughts before we sign off here other than just, you know, looking forward to Colorado on the weekend and, and looking forward to this, you know, it feels like we've been saying it a lot since the coaching change, but another another crucial stretch here. Really, really all the matches are crucial heading to the end of the year unless the Whitecaps play themselves out of it. Oh, it's always exciting to, to, to chat Whitecaps and it will be, I guess we'll be back with, with, with more as we slowly get used to the new routine of, uh, you know, I think looking back, it was obviously understandable that the summer ended up very chaotic, lots of matches, lots of moving around, vacations, et cetera, et cetera. 
we didn't end up maybe podcasting as much as we we, we would have liked but certainly as things start to settle down here obviously with all the the life changes going on it's going to be fun just to follow along and chat more white caps canada soccer obviously for those who know me i ended up going to to, to Toronto to catch a, a Canada national team game, obviously following those games very closely. Canada women's national team victory tour coming up in the fall. CPL going on, Canadian championship. There's a lot of soccer. So we'll certainly, all I'll say is obviously it was good to chat Whitecaps this episode, but we'll, we've got a lot more to, to follow, not just Whitecaps, which is good. If, you, if, you've got, if you're if you aware of Whitecaps specific and Canada national team hats, you're in a pretty good place right now. And that's just so exciting right now with, with all of that that's that's happening. It's just, just you're, you're almost spoiled. Plus, you can even talk about all the Canadians killing it abroad. You know, the, you know, we saw this week start of the, the men's champions league, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Atiba Hutchinson, Kyle Laren, all doing well. Women's champions league starts in two weeks. We got a, you know, whole record breaking amount of Canadians in that it's a good time to be a Canadian soccer fan. So we're just excited to, to follow along. Absolutely. Can't wait to bring more coverage in that regard. Hope you enjoyed the episode and, uh, yeah, for me, you can find me, as always, at Samuel underscore Rowboat on Twitter at 86forever.com for Whitecaps coverage. You can find our podcast at Third Sub Pod on Twitter at Third Sub on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, Alex, over to you before we sign off here. Yeah, you can check me out at Alex Kongaruzic at BTS Fan City, BTS Fan City. Dot com, all my written stuff, you know, check us out on socials, as Sam mentioned. Uh, even if Sam and I aren't able to do live shows together, you know, maybe I'll do some live shows with uh, with our, our good old friend, producer Ben, who's out here as well. And if not, uh, as I did last game, I will obviously do, no matter what, I'll be doing videos, be it on my own or, or, or otherwise. So there's obviously a lot more to come there. Otherwise, just, you know, make sure to check out Macy Sports. Obviously, as we mentioned, halfway through the, the show, the soccer season coming up, you know, lot, lot, lots of reason to, to, to head over there. I myself, personally, I'm going to head over there. I need some new gear ahead of our the start of our Golden Hour season. Shout out Golden Hour FC, obviously, for, for, for that. But on that note, we'll catch you again soon in some medium, some form or another. That's how things work on this big rock of ours. So uh, see you guys again soon.